Hello again, and welcome to this third edition of Metier Class by Chanel. I'm Tyler Brulé. In this special five-part series, we're exploring the philosophy, craftsmanship, artistry, precision, and design codes of Chanel with its family of collaborators. And over the course of the series, we sit down with Pharrell Williams, Chanel's fashion president, Bruno Pavlovsky, and the late Karl Lagerfeld. Today, we're in Paris at Chanel's spiritual home on Rue Cambon to meet Lady Amanda Harlick, who has spent over 20 years as creative consultant to Chanel. We meet on a snowy morning after Chanel's French-themed haute couture show at the Grand Palais to discuss the inner workings of the Maison, the importance and joy of detail, and firstly, how you get your customer to become aware of that craftsmanship that goes into their collections. If the customer actually sees it in its mm. reality, mm. because it's a very sensuous, tactile thing, yeah. that will absolutely trigger the desire button. Yes. And I think, you know, where, where we are now in the age of the internet, yes. my worry is sometimes you don't absolutely see the five-dimensional beauty, like the hand-painted scarabs, or in this show, yeah. there were real flowers that were dr pressed, dried, pressed, then painted with resin, then embroidered on. It has its aura of like stunning beauty, but close to, or if you get to touch it, it's huge. But how do you get that proximity? That's what's How do you right? do it? I think things have to be, I think fashion film has to change. I think we have to get now, you know, really using film in its most sensuous way I mean really I'm thinking of that film Roma I'm thinking come on let's use film for what it can do with movement and light and actually show these clothes you know from the inside out what they really feel like how they move I think that's exciting and it's not you know we're still very much a fashion there's a little thing that happens here and you might have two girls playing a part but it's not actually going into the clothes and it doesn't have to be boring. That can be as most beautiful as watching, you know, water. I mean, that's mesmerizing. And I don't think I'm seeing that in moving film that specifically fashion. Is and it would be really exciting to do, you know? For sure. But is there a danger? I mean, of course, it's great to transmit the message on lots of flat screens like this. People get exposed to it. But also, it's very hard to get truly interested in something. On a tiny screen. Exactly. So how do, how do we do that? How do we get out there? I think it, it'd be wonderful for kids, for more people to experience it. So maybe it's about Chanel opening up, you know? I mean, already there are wonderful openings so people can go to Pontin, they can go and visit the artisans and actually see how it's doing and that, you know, how things are made. And, and I think that's really, I mean, not that it should be an educational thing, but I just think we're, still a secret society. From just knowing a friend of mine who I followed all the way through college and mentored her, and now she's the most extraordinary weaver. She does couture uh, fabrics. And they are, yeah, they're working at the cutting edge, making velvet out of m metal fibers. And, you know, it's just really exciting what they can do. I mean, what was interesting seeing you know, I read the list, and then I understood how some of the things that Carl has invented in his head and then have been made. Do you remember collection? It was a couture collection that was. I kind of felt it was very zen, but everything was made of of wood. 
So you had like wooden paillette and I mean, there was shavings of wood that were sewn on that were so beautiful. And it's, that is astounding something. Or when he used cement with the Corbusier collection, 18th century Corbusier, how would you think of making cement concrete paillette, which were extraordinarily beautiful? So this is where it's very young and I think must be really interesting if you are a math or physics or math or chemistry or, you know, if, even if you're fine arts. How do you excite young people, though? Because also what you're saying, I mean, it's great to think fine arts, but you also don't need a degree to go and work in one of these ateliers as well. Like, I'm wondering also, are we trying to elevate the process of craftsmanship, which of course is the, the end product is incredibly important, but yeah, you don't need a master's. I mean, you need, you need experience. And you, need an you, do, you do, and you need a wonderful, inspiring teacher. But it's that very idea that you might do that. I think that's the, you know, it never occurred to me, and I wish it had, you know, that, that there was the side of fashion of all the craftsmanship that goes into fashion is explorative, thrilling, it's a huge adventure. It is cutting edge. Did you feel there was enough of that when you were growing up? Or do you feel in an age of information now there's, there's, there's plenty of it? Or does it get compressed too much right now? We're sort of you know, so interested in the image, the moment, being there alive, that actually all the elements in between uh, are, are somehow erased. Yeah, I think everything now, it, there is an attention span that has suddenly kind of compressed compressed it, yeah. yeah and and also that you're immediately on to the next thing rather than understanding the slow process of becoming over sometimes months when an idea is first you know sent out there usually it starts with a set and then that will start will go into fabric innovation and all of that and it takes a long time and yes that isn't something that you have, you have no way of knowing that or even feeling that from watching, you know, a, a runway show online. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying that oftentimes it is, it is the setting. That will often be the big trigger. That will often be the, you know, the light bulb moment for the studio. So Villa, south of France, sweep the staircase. I think it started with a swimming pool. And then it was, what kind of swimming pool it was Carl thinking? It was a swimming pool in a beautiful garden in the Mediterranean. A formal garden, but full of jasmine and roses and lemon trees and palm trees. And the cypress, I thought, was incredibly, I mean, that was very resonant of that perfect summer that you kind of yearn for right now, particularly. There was something, yeah, and I think the way it actually blurred in the set is really amazing. Obviously, the, this background that you had in, in, in this show this and this, of course, we're in an audio world right now, but to describe being in the Grand Palais and this, this really this, this wraparound, a proper 360 set, which was remarkable. And then, as you said, this foreground of, of, of course, real shrubbery and, and cypresses and all of these things. And then, of course, fading back into this, this wonderful set. And I'm wondering, in a way, do you think it's also a little bit of a metaphor for the brand in many ways as well, that Chanel can be, of course, you know, very much in the foreground, very, very present. But then you actually see it's the depth of field. Which is um, what we've been talking about, is how you can go back and back and back, and then you go from layer and layer of thought process of actually what's been made and then what's been refined. And, but you, and then 
the way Carl uses references, we will always sweep in the perfect Chanel reference so that everything, you know, everything makes sense. It's not, it's nothing is sort of random. And I think that's what makes his shows, his collection so memorable because it's so perfectly sewn into the very kind of cloth that is Chanel herself. So I asked Bruno about the codes of the brand, but Amanda, it'd be interesting to hear from you when you talk about those references, those elements. You know, are there three things, four things, seven things that have to come into the mix that suddenly you just feel that that's right? Carl, I sometimes think he's like a composer and a conductor. So he composes the music and conducts it. And he knows every note if those are the codes of Chanel. So your codes, you will always have camellias. You'll always have a little black dress. You will have a tailleur, but it will never look like an, another one, you know? In a sense, that's like looking at the, the spirit that you recognize as Chanel. And that spirit a bit has, has those things always. I don't can't remember a collection that hasn't had them. And if we're going to play on the really the, the, the orchestra metaphor. Where does Amanda Harlick fit into all of this? Amanda Harlick is a cheerleader. No, Amanda Harlick, maybe to use the musical me- metaphor, I think I have a good ear. So not that I will necessarily, I think everybody knows if something's out of tune, but maybe I can point out where a harmony is particularly moving or where one is too repetitive. They're little things, but little details matter to Carl, and that makes the whole perfect. So I, that's my contribution, I think. So, so I come in a week before, or a bit before, or two weeks before a show, and it, I'll be seeing the fittings. And for me, initially, it's the process of us understanding what Carl wants to say, and then making sure that that comes across. And I think Carl, and I've said this before, Carl uses me a bit like a sounding board to see, it, is it landing? Is she getting it? So there's an editorial role then as well? Editorial, but I don't edit. He edits. He, he will, I mean, I, you know, I don't think ever, you do a running order, you get as far as that, and then Carl will take things out. No, nothing will have gone so off-piste that it wouldn't make sense in the whole. And that's why he's so brilliant. I want to go back to a little bit where we started and the modern consumer, uh, if we want to go there. And I guess a point, of, a point of access. And do you think you need more entry points? And we were talking specifically about whether it's ready to wear or, or couture for people to not just understand value, uh, but I think more to to understand, I guess, the depth of what they're purchasing, the depth of what they're maybe about to start collecting. And I, I think about the noise that's in the marketplace right now. And is, is, it, is it about more events and more shows? Because I feel something that's happened in the market in the last, I think in the last sort of 12, 18 months, maybe 24 months ago, you would have had people saying, oh, what's your social media strategy? Now people say to a media brand like us, what do you do? When, when do you do more events? and this getting close to the customer. And maybe you were saying a little bit earlier as well, does it even need to open up more? And if it does open up more, 
Does that mean it's museum exhibitions? Is it definitely? I think. Sorry to. Inter- I mean, I think. I think the museum exhibition is very interesting. I think as we see so many collections and so much stuff, and there's almost like an overload. What is great is to be able to take time to look and experience the whole art of of couture or of or accessories. In, in wonderful exhibitions and there have been the most I mean I think exhibitions are suddenly really extraordinary and evocative and memorable so yeah that would be something that I think I'm sure Chanel do and I think they should do more of which is to have exhibitions maybe less parties more exhibitions <laughs> yeah be interesting to see what the events team thinks of that but anyway um, there's a curious thing going on as well with rhythm and I'm wondering if that is being in tempo, never out of your groove is a good thing because if I think back to the early days when I was writing and covering part of this industry, I mean, many houses didn't have a cruise collection. So there was two shows. If you had a couture show, then you had two couture shows. Um, So, you know, some brands or businesses were doing a max of two shows. And now there's so many, you know, your eight, your 10 shows a year. Does that, I mean, in a way, it's a little bit like exercise. It keeps you more more fit and, and nimble, but also you have to keep turning out the hits. That's what Carl says, it keeps, you know, you flex the muscle of the brain and you get stronger and you can, you know, do more. I don't think it's a question of what happens, that there's too much here. I think that there's, it's how much people can absolutely absorb um, realistically. And we have a whole kind of, you know, there is, there are the drum beats out there quite rightly about sustainability and about producing too much stuff and how and how things are made and that's something that Chanel has really taken to heart which is exciting and that's why you know couture it, for me is the best of the best because it is about making these pieces that last that they they live forever um hopefully in your life not in an exhibition either and I think that's I think that's really important when we see a sort of sea of I mean I just get so frustrated with the whole the whole thing of the you know floggers and the two weeks later the kids chuck the thing away because of course you know that's no longer the thing and we must we must not look at clothes as being disposable but clothes about being part of your life which is where workmanship is something that will give you that that feeling that you don't want to part with that thing even you know I just think when you love the embroideries and the colors and you and you and you feel its lightness and the pin tucks on the inside it's just something you never want to part with there's a component of of really trying to to get it to register with people that you're you're purchasing a moment in time not only that it's a sliver of of where we are pop culturally but also yeah Obviously, craftsmanship evolves, all of these things evolve, and it, it sort of represents a little bit of an epoch as well, which you hopefully will want to keep on your rail and revisit, I would imagine. Definitely. And, um, and it's interesting that the métier d'art, for example, and the couture, where the workmanships are particularly fine and very linked in with Carl's imaginative kind of song for his collection, that they are very memorable. Those details, when you when you see the clothes or you you see the button, which often the button has the whole code of what that collection's about, um, you relive that. And so it is a sort of 
Proustian moment, which makes your clothes rather wonderful, I think. And that concludes this third edition of Metier Class by Chanel. We've been in conversation with Chanel creative consultant Lady Amanda Harlick. And you can follow the rest of the series over the coming weeks here on Monocle 24 or download them from your favourite audio source, including Chanel's 355 series on iTunes. Up next, I'll be speaking to musician, record producer and Chanel collaborator Pharrell Williams here in Paris. Today's show was coordinated by Monocle's Daphne Hazard, produced by Holly Fisher and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. I'm Tyler Brulé. Thank you for listening. Thank you.